This episode of Wild Endeavors is brought to you by The Quest Company. The Quest Company is a live play RPG podcast produced by a group of actors, actresses, and theater folk from Nashville. We've been longtime fans of these people and their adventures. From the menagerie of interesting characters from both their main and side quests, to the fascinating story that they are weaving together, this is a show you'll definitely want to check out. Stick around for the end of the episode to hear a promo from the Quest Company themselves. This Tales of Aria one-shot is our celebration of International Tabletop Day. In the spirit of sharing our love for gaming, we have a special guest joining us in this endeavor. You may know him from his podcast, Roll for Insight, from the box of many things, from his amazing Forgotten Realms postcards, or his other sweet Etsy swag, or from his forking delightful Twitter account. (laughs) All of which will be included in the show notes. Uh, Joff, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, After that, what is there to introduce? I'm Joff, otherwise known as Albert. Yeah, I guess I am responsible for all those things you listed. I have never thought of it that way. Uh, I do a lot. You do, you do. (laughs) It's good to be here. It's really fun to uh, join you guys. Thank you very much. I was hoping you would do the explanation of your Twitter handle. I've always enjoyed that. Um, Well, Albert, B-E-A-R, was taken. So I thought B-A-R-E was kind of funny because it sounds like a naked Albert. (laughs) So it stuck. Love it. Love it. Also joining us in this endeavor are... I'm Adam Rogers. You may know me from all of my other classic characters, notably Hans Gregor from uh, The Shadow Campaign, a fan favorite and the most popular character, I'm pretty sure, from that <laughs> campaign. So um, and you can find me on Twitter at NPCULater. I'm Amy. Uh, I don't have a specific D&D handle, but I do post all of my dice on the Wild Endeavors D&D. So <laughs> check that out. I'm Nick. You can find me on Twitter at RollPlusNick. Um, I'm also known as Eliaf, the guy who was in the first handful of episodes and then disappeared for a long time. And then, spoiler if you haven't heard it, comes back for the series finale. And I'm your DM, Thomas Marcetti. The best way to find me is at Wild Endeavors on Twitter and Instagram. And now, a Tales of Aria adventure. Sanguine Security, Part 1. The Trap is Set. First, a message from our sponsor. Are you worried that, as we speak, thieves are breaking into your room full of gold? Do you have so many priceless magical artifacts that so-called adventurers are constantly breaking into your home? Does your dungeon attract too many looky-loos? Is it important to you to keep safe the skeletons in your closet, proverbial and otherwise? Or do you simply have a weakness for the family in your life? With Sanguine Security Solutions, you need not worry anymore. I'm Aegis Garrison, founder and security officer of Sanguine Security, and I guarantee you we will stop, maim, or eliminate anyone who tries to relieve you of your prized possessions or your family. From lethal to slightly less lethal, We have a wide variety of traps and wards to suit your needs, 
from mechanical to magical to mindfucking, we guarantee the highest quality security no matter what your budget. Take for example our new Strength Sapper. This top-of-the-line ward can be placed in any room you don't want people snooping. Unauthorized busybodies will find themselves drained of their vitality until they can't even support their own body weight. These meddlers can then be easily collected by the nearest Justicar, or left to starve to death. Pro tip, corpses that accumulate in this manner are a great deterrent and one of the many additional levels of support Sanguine Security provides, free of charge. Prefer something a little more flashy? Try our Sunburst Sentinels. These statues, made to match any decor or aesthetic, are a beautiful addition to any home, magical castle, or dungeon. But intruders will discover too late they are actually beacons of protection. Concentrated sun rays will first blind troublemakers before burning the flesh from their bones. Subjecting thieves and ne'er-do-wells to horrifying deaths is another feature you will never pay extra for at Sanguine Security. So what are you waiting for? Get Braham's number one security firm and start protecting the most important thing in your life right now, also your family. You can find us at the Aquasculptura district, just off Ovilicia Square, across from the graceful Tiara Bordello. As employees of Sanguine Security, you know that most of this pitch is crap. Sanguine is far from the number one security service in Praham, uh, to say nothing of the number of buildings that are directly protected by the Primarchy itself. Sanguine Security is a mid-tier company. The insanely rich can afford to keep an arcane user or tinkerer on staff to handle security. Those who have made or earned magical items of true consequence rarely need outside help to protect themselves. And the noble class of Praham, whose families might actually be at risk of kidnapping, have their own personal security. That being said, Sanguine pays very well. You presumably enjoy the work, and servicing rich clients does have the occasional non-monetary benefit. Praham is the capital city of the Primarchy. The Primarchy is the main human government in the land of Aria. It extends for most of the continent. The capital is very much, think of very like height of the Roman Empire type aesthetic. There's a lot of marble, a lot of colonnaded buildings, a lot of pantheon type facilities around the town. It is as close as you can get to a utopia without actually being a utopia. It's like right on the edge. And in that little bit, that last step, there's enough room for the criminal elements that people who use uh, Sangman Security are hoping to protect against. So that is where you all come in as engineers or flippers for Sanguine Security. As in, you, you, know, you flip the traps back to being on. I'll have each of you introduce your character and tell us what you're doing on your night off. I am a half-elf warlock named Drake. I'm not really hanging out with anybody at the moment on my day off. I'd like to keep to myself. So there's a good chance I've found just kind of like a corner of room and I'm kind of just reading through uh, some books Great. and avoiding folks. <laughs> Are you avoiding them because you don't like them or because you have something you'd rather do? 
yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's my day off, and I feel like I haven't had a chance to catch up on the things that I really like to do. And right now, that doesn't involve other people. Gotcha. My name is Ava. I am a half-elf bard. And I feel like on my day off, I would be first organizing all of my files so that I'm ready for our next job, uh, because that's how I cast my spells. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, I will go to whatever the version is of like a heavy metal concert in <laughs> wherever we are. Because like during the work week, I am focused. I'm not emotional. So I'd let out all the rage at the metal concert. Nice. Is Ava, like, does she, like, get into the mix, like, in the mosh pit, or is she just oh, there yeah. for the music? She just stands and watches and, like, feels the music. Okay. Uh, okay. Russet Bronze Barrel is a 225-year-old mountain dwarf. He's old enough to have some salt and pepper in his beard and hair. He's a surly fellow. He loves his job is good at it. Uh, on a night off, a day off, night off, he's getting his drink on. He's he's down the local tavern, singing his heart out, I imagine, with uh, whatever drinking buddies he has. And yeah, he's, 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 he's in his cups. So is he singing like a karaoke kind of thing? Or like he and his yeah. friends are just, they're singing and everyone else has to deal with it? Sometimes he's singing alone. Sometimes he gets the entire tavern to join in. Nice. He, he is... He is a lot less surly when he's got his drink on. <laughs> I am a dragonborn cleric. My name is Ratrim Lithtar, but I go by Rat. Nice. Um, so on all the jobs that we do, I have a little uh, handheld notebook where I jot down any and everything that I'm observing. And I think I'm spending my... Anytime I have my nights off, I'm flipping through that notebook very deliberately looking for anything that I may have missed along the way. Missed in terms of what? Basically, I'm looking to uncover any criminal activity that we come across. I'm looking to kind of uncover the, the bigger conspiracy. Think of me like that that uh, that meme where he has all the things on the wall, <laughs> connecting all the strings. You know? Love it. Love it. So each of you are relaxing, enjoying your night off in your own way when a small clockwork chinchilla scampers up to you. You are familiar with this. This, this is the standard way that Sanguine Security communicates with its employees when they're off the clock. So this tiny silver-plated little chinchilla comes up to you, stands up on its hind legs, and opens its little mouth. And then the voice of Aegis floats out. And get your shit together and get to the office. I have a special job for you tonight. I need you because you're the best. Then the little chinchilla closes its mouth and scampers away. Aegis says that you are the best and you know that that's a lie. Uh, you got called in because you are reliable. You are pretty damn good, but you're also most likely to be available at this time of night. Odds are the company's most valuable employee, Felicitas Fenmore, is probably already up to her nose in drugs, booze, and the bordella next door. When you arrive in the office, Aegis explains that this is a job that's going to be off the books. Um, this is not unusual. There are two types of off-the-book jobs in this business. One, for a little extra money, plans and invoices exist only in one place. A locked, spell-sealed vault book. Only Aegis has the key. 
the second off-the-book type of job is certainly costs significantly more, and it is actually off the books. There is no records of what has been installed, what engineers have worked on the particular job, what the job even was, if Sanguine even did the job. And this is obviously designed so that there is no kind of backdoor way into figuring out what kind of security exists in a place. You've heard rumors that for these type of off-the-book jobs, even the engineers who work on them have their memories wiped. Obviously, you've heard rumors of these because if you had been on one of these jobs, you wouldn't know it. So when he says it's off the books, it is not surprising to you. But this particular job is at the home of Precept Tenno Cyprus. The mansion is known as the Harbridge, and the noblesse of the house has asked for you to come in very quietly and reset the traps in the east wing of the house. It's not clear why they've been triggered, and the noblest is a little bit concerned as to if he will get in trouble because of that. So an extra level of discretion is appreciated by the client in this case. Do you have any questions for Aegis before you head out? Russet is trying very hard to pretend he's sober. <laughs> How? Uh, that's a good question. How drunk is he? He's more than Mary. <laughs> okay. How many traps are there that we have to reset? You'll find that out when you get to the job itself. Um, the Noblest has the key ring. I think I mentioned that in the equipment page. There is a map, basically kind of like the Marauder's Map from Harry Potter. When you get there, you'll give him the map. He'll touch it, and it'll show you like where he, he wants you to go, like what traps are active in that area, what traps need to be reactivated, things like that. Okay. Are the four of us people who have done jobs together before, are we always on the same job or are we sort of like, how big is the company in the sense of like, how often would we work together? Is it like me, Adam and Amy, where we're in the office every day sitting across from each other? Or is it more like, oh, hey, you're on this shift. It's big enough that you've worked plenty of jobs without them, but small enough that you do see them every day that you're actually at work. Gotcha. So, I mean, unless any of you want to be somebody who nobody else knows, um, I, I would say you all you all know each other. We don't need to do like an introduction. Yeah, that's that's what kind of why I was asking yeah. if we needed to in- introduce each other. Okay. So you hop in the company carriage, make your way across town. You pull up outside the massive marble structure that is known as the Harborage. Tall colonnades, a good like 30 feet or so up into the air surround the lower levels. You know that these areas are typically for household staff. Kitchen, stables, servants' quarters, things like that are found in the lower quarters of most of the houses in Praham. The height of one's home is a sign of power and social status within the city. Towering over every building within the city is the Primarch's Palace at the center of town. Imagine the Pantheon in Rome, but imagine this building as being 250 stories tall. It's a good 25 city block radius, so it towers over everything. And then the, the taller your house is, the closer you are to the Primarch, the more prestige or status you have in the city. And this is in part a practical thing, too, because there are laws that limit the heights of buildings 
buildings and the, obviously the cost of building things very tall is prohibitive. So in a very functional way, people who can bribe city officials to gain easements or who can afford to build excessively tall buildings do tend to have more power and more status. Another result of this is that many of the buildings in Praham have floors that are mostly empty or they'll have an entire floor that is just like a garden or the fantasy version of like a squash court. They don't know what else to do with the space so they just you know throw something leisure related in there. As you are escorted into the Harbridge you come up a walkway lined with cerulean tiles. They are centered within runners of brilliant white marble and as you go into the building that white marble continues along the walls and along the ceiling and the cerulean tiles these square almost they're fairly small so it's almost like mosaic sized tiles but they're all that cerulean blue line the majority of the floor throughout the place the hallways are lined with tapestries that depict tranquil landscapes um, everything from the rolling hills of the hegemony plains with flocks of sheep grazing on the slopes the beautiful beaches and seascapes of the Bansa region, snow-capped peaks of the windless mountains, but all the tapestries are magical. The sheep of the hegemony move and graze, the tides ebb and flow in the Bansa tapestries, and the clouds race across the, the skies of the mountains. This is not, again, not uncommon, but it takes a lot of money to get this type of tapestry. So you've seen them, but to see this many is somewhat significant. Uh, essentially, when you all show up to a job, it's generally considered uncouth to be like fully equipped in armor and weapons and things like that. Like the the company prefers you to show up in uniform. Anything you bring with you is in that bag of holding. Just as a reminder, the bag of holding is an off-brand magic item provided by Sanguine Security for each of its technicians. These small messenger bags will allow you to place for example, a dozen jousting lances into the bag without the bag taking up any more space. However, you will feel the weight of carrying 12 jousting lances in that bag. So, should something happen and you decide you want to put on like other armor or bring out your weapons, you can do that. The sanguine uniform can go over other types of armor. So, if you're, you know, like if you got a set of plate mail in your bag, you want to put the plate mail on, you can put the uniform over top and then you use the plate AC and get the elemental resistance from the uniform. But to start off with, everybody is going to have that AC 12 elemental resistance armor and then. We'll go from there. Is that... Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. As you're waiting in the foyer, a halfling comes up to greet you. They are remarkably tall for a halfling, almost four feet, very thin, very lanky, salt and pepper hair, kind of a, a grossly thin mustache and a little bit of a chin beard. And as he approaches, he stops and gives you kind of a half bow, introduces himself as the noblest, which is kind of the, the major domo of the house and introduces himself. I'm Grosta Nabor. Uh, please, please come in. Let's move out of here. And he gestures to a door off of the foyer. You enter into a, a smaller room, similarly decorated, and he begins to explain to you, you must be invisible. Uh, tonight's job it must remain hidden from the, the precept. I, I'm not sure exactly what happened, why these traps have been tripped, but I want to ensure that it does not reflect poorly on myself. Uh, we, and he wags a finger between you all and him, do not want anyone knowing about this little situation. The guests 
much as the precept cannot know that there was any kind of trouble here with the security. And I'm sure that you don't want someone like me telling everyone I can just how faulty sanguine security can be. There's nothing else that you can tell us about when the traps were triggered or how? I don't know the how. He, you know, asks for your map and touches his keyring to it. Shows you that the east wing of the floor that you're on is a pretty long hallway with a number of rooms branching off of it. The That hallway branches itself, and in the southern fork are the areas where the traps have been triggered. They All the traps that were triggered were within the hallway. It's a little bit strange because they were triggered all around the rooms in that hallway, but none of the room traps were actually triggered. The northern fork of the hallway leads deeper into the mansion area towards the more personal, like the the princeps actual quarters and things like that. As far as the timing, it was somewhere between early evening and now. These particular traps were not triggered to, like, alert anybody when they went off. They're just kind of, deter- like, straight-up deterrent-type traps. Do you know what the traps are guarding? Uh, the princeps and his guests enjoy a significant level of privacy. Uh... These traps are designed to protect that privacy. What they've decided to do with that is up to them, and not for the likes of us to question. Who discovered that the traps were set off? The gods. And you're saying under no circumstances are we to talk to to any of the guests? It would be fantastic if no one even saw you. Do you have any advice and- on ways to, to get to the to get to the traps that might be less out in the open? Do it quickly. Well, there's a series of hidden passages that certain of our guests are privy to. However, they would take you to very sensitive areas of the house. And while it would keep you from being spotted by some guests, it would dramatically increase the chances you'd be seen by others. Has this ever happened before? We have had uh, certain instances where people have tried to insert themselves into the princeps business. Yes, it's not terribly common, as I'm sure that you know. His mother is a prelate, and as such enjoys a certain level of security from his mother's notoriety. And who's normally in that area of the house? Various rooms uh, can be rented or are visited by certain guests. They do tend to rotate, so there's not a particular set uh, roster of people who would be there. And you properly vet these before you allow them in? He looks very offended at that. It's a simple question. Well, no, we just let anyone wander in off the street into the princess' home. Well, obviously, if we're trying to solve your problem, I have to ask all the questions to have all the answers. I don't care for your answers. I need you to reset the traps. I think we've had enough. Okay. <laughs> we'll get right on it, sir. Okay. Out of curiosity, does the map show... Are the rooms named or labeled in any way? Yes. Yeah. They are? Okay. Um, Yeah. You will pass a number of rooms along the way. Um, We can... I mean, I can go over those rooms as we go along. That will probably come into play a little bit more later. I will say that when you look at the map, you are pleased by what you see there. Okay. Um, So following the map, you make your way to that particular branch of the hallway on the east wing into the area outside the kookery room. Pretty much all the traps in and around the doorway to the kookery room have been tripped, have been activated in some way, but 
there are no signs that they've actually activated. So they've very clearly been disabled rather than somebody stumbled into them and, you know, like the you know, gouts of flame have burnt the area. These traps were all expertly disabled. It was an inside job. <laughs> so within this particular, probably about, you know, like a 50 foot um, from either side of the door on the Kukri room, there's about a maybe like half a dozen various traps. Everything from the enhanced blockade network traps to arboreal transmogrifiers, the bone alternator traps. You know, pretty standard stuff from, from what you're familiar with. What would you like to do? How would we usually go about a job like this? Like, if it were a normal job, would we just start walking up to the traps and mm -hmm. reactivating them with the equalization wand? Mm-hmm. Okay, and we just have one of those for the team. Right. Okay, which one of you guys wants to try to use it? I can do it. Okay, uh, give me an arcana check. 21. Chuck, you begin to reset the traps all around the hallway there. And while you're doing that, and while the rest of the team is presumably kind of like scanning the area, looking things over... I feel like we have no reason to really suspect that uh, there's something unusual, right? Like, do we usually see traps that are expertly disabled and not set off? Especially considering me being sort of that, having that paranoid conspiracy right, type. Right, Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, would yeah. I be, my interest be piqued by it? Give me an insight check. 13. I think your interest would definitely be piqued by it. Um, it's okay. not uncommon to see certain traps are disabled. There certainly have been cases where you've gone into a location where, you know, thieves or adventurers or whatever have started to disable the traps and then realize they were in over their head and then backed out. And so then, you know, other traps are in place. Nothing's been tripped. But because this is kind of in the middle of the house, it's not like on the like the exterior. It's not like somebody climbed up a window and started doing stuff like this is this is inside the thing. Somebody had to get into there to do it. And then given your propensity for paranoia, as you mentioned, I would I would think you are suspicious of this. Okay. I'll keep it to myself for now, but... Are the traps inside, like, more advanced than the ones outside? Outside the building or outside the room? Building. The the traps are are all about the same level. They're pretty they're pretty high level. These are these are not like the bargain bin type of traps. Like they've the prince have paid a, a pretty penny. Okay. I will say the traps inside are very much on the lethal end of the spectrum, whereas the outside traps are more of the non lethal prevention type. As a semi political figure, they probably don't want a lot of blood or maimed bodies lying around for passers by to see. Inside, however, is a different story. Rat, tell me a little bit more about like how you are studying the area. Like how in depth are you getting into this? I think because the traps are really what's piquing my interest, I think I would be kind of looking them over to really try to find out how they were disabled rather than on all fours, like getting as close to the like the different triggers as you can. Are you right? Like looking underneath if I have to, you know, getting at all the seeing all the different angles. Mm -hmm. Sort of like a mechanic working on a car. Gotcha. Love it. And I am definitely have my notebook out. I'm writing. You see me like scratching notes down all the time. While you all are doing that, you hear some laughter <laughs> coming from around the, the hallway up ahead and where this particular branch of the hallway takes a veer to the right. After just a little bit, two human males come walking around the corner. The one is shambling quite a bit, clearly more than a little bit tipsy. The other one seems very stiff, almost robotic-like in the way that they are walking. Like, they're very slow, very deliberate about their steps, and they are walking toward you. 
Well, we're really not supposed to be seen. <laughs> so it's probably too late for that now. They've seen us, right? If you want to roll an insight to see if you've been spotted, you can. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that real quick. <laughs> Um, how optimistic of a person are you? I really want to be an optimistic person. How's that? There you go. Okay. <laughs> you think if you can act really quickly, they're not going to see you. We're in like an open hallway, right? Yeah. Like there, there wouldn't be a place to hide. <laughs> not really. Like there's a couple like the periodic like pedestal with a like a, a, a vase of flowers or one that has like a, you know, a bust of some you know famous person or things like that. But there's not really a place to hide. If we ducked into one of these rooms, I assume it would set a trap up. Almost certainly, yeah. Is there a way to very quickly disarm a trap so that we might excuse ourselves to a room? We have two wands. There's one that resets it and one that disables it. Mm-hmm. So the disabling wand. It's a good idea. That one. I'm yeah. all for that. Russet will wave it at the door dramatically and disarm. Okay. Yeah, you hear a, a series of clicks and clacks as a number of traps disarm themselves on the, the door. Based on that, opening the door will not set off any traps. Okay. Then Russet makes a very stage whisper and tries to summon everyone's attention and nods at the room and then opens the door. I'll I'll go first. I'll I'll rush over there and like slide into the room very sneakily. I'll just uh, calmly walk in. <laughs> I'm just gonna kind of speed walk over that way and and pop in the door. Okay. Yeah. So y'all make your way in. There's a small, like, half-hallway room that you can, like, step into just on the other side of the door. I'm assuming you close it because you're trying to hide. There's about ten feet of space in this little, like, mini uh, foyer-type area. And then the room opens up. It's a circular chamber, a recessed floor with, like, blue, really super lush cushions. Everything is a seat type of space. There's a chandelier overhead that has sparkling, like, golden crystals on it. And the light in the room is kind of, like, mid to low. It's fairly romantic-type lighting. That makes me wonder if all of the rooms are kind of like these little boom-boom rooms that are set up there. <laughs> I mean, it is called the Harbridge, so whatever that means I think to you. I look at everybody and just say, don't touch anything. <laughs> I cast black light. <laughs> mistake. Mistake. <laughs> oh, no. Stop it. Stop it. No. Can I go up toward the door again and kind of listen to mm -hmm. to hear if the people have passed? You hear the sound of, like, one person laughing pretty consistently and, like, a, a, a bit of them talking and then laughing and then they're talking and laughing again. And then, like, one other voice that's kind of every now and then chiming in, but kind of very deadpan about it. And then the other one just almost walking over top of them is talking and laughing again. And they get a little bit louder and a little bit louder as they draw closer to the room. And then it gets to a point where it seems like they are right outside the room and they don't start getting quieter again. They don't seem to be moving away from the outside of the room. Does the door just have... I know it was trapped before, but does it have just a lock? Um, yeah. Can I, like, try to slowly click <laughs> the lock closed? Yeah. Uh, do a stealth check. A 16? The lock clicks into place, and then you hear the very boisterous laughing voice kind of stop. And then it suddenly gets very loud. Hey, friend! Come on out, let's have a drink! 
occupied. <laughs> we all, my eyes just get really wide, and I like just look around at everybody. Hey, well, that's fine. We'll be happy to occupy with you. I'll whisper to the group. I can charm these people, but they'll know that I charmed them after the spell ends. I don't think that's not. It's not going to erase their memory that we were here. Can I do minor illusion thirty feet from us? You can. What would you like to do? Is it, is there a door within thirty feet of us? Yeah. Okay. So I would like to have like a female voice be like, "Well, you can come join our party," kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> Or a person's inviting them. Mm-hmm. A sultry voice is inviting them. <laughs> I'm going to file form CMI3584, and that's for minor illusion. Okay. The end. And so to be, just uh, so everybody else understands, the, the way you cast your spells is by filing the correct paperwork? Correct. <laughs> yeah. I have a stamp, but I don't know if you can hear it. Try it. Can you hear it? Oh, that one worked, yeah. <laughs> you have to put your face down. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. Anyway, continue. What's your spell, DC? Uh, 15. The person continues to knock at the door. And again, it's like, hey, come on out, guys. It's fine. We'll have a good time. It seems like they were not convinced by the illusion. Rude. <laughs> I say, I, I turn to uh, Russet and say, look, clearly you can handle your alcohol. Why don't you just go have a drink with them and distract them? Speaking of, how drunk does this person sound? Uh, roll insight. As in, do they really sound drunk? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a 19. For someone who has been around quite a few drunk people and has been the drunk person quite often, they sound pretty drunk. Okay. Can I, can I just say, go get us some drinks and bring them back and we'll let you in. Dude, we got, we got the drinks already. Do you have a... <laughs> Did you get an Appletini? I have to have an Appletini or this is a going down. Go ahead and roll persuasion. 22. So the voice says... If you don't, I mean, if you don't want to party with us, that's fine. We'll just, we'll go find the precept and tell us, uh, tell him... We'll tell him that there's a bunch of party poopers over here. Oh, Lord. Can let him just, in. Can we just knock these guys out? Yeah. I, think yeah, I just it. open the door and let them in. And tell them, all right, we'll get in here. But we're going to play a game. We have rope right in our, like, Starfax. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some of you have rope, yes. All right. So, I'm surprised there's you not we're play a game. chains on the walls to use already. <laughs> I mean, I was this is just one of many rooms. <laughs> you see a, it's a human male. He is dressed in what is kind of like the height of Praham fashion, which is, it's like a dark colored, like bodysuit, almost like an Under Armour type outfit with a, like a very elaborate, like tabard over top of it. His tabard is a bright orange with, like, really gaudy, like, thread of gold uh, geometric patterns all along the edges of it. And he has a pretty 
almost boring type of face. His black hair is like slicked back over his head. He's maybe got like a little strand of it that has like come free. He's very clearly very much enjoying his evening and he's resting his head against the door frame. He's just kind of oh. like got a jug of wine in one hand. Is like, great, let's all, huh, let's get our party on. And the other part of the pair is dressed similarly. The tabard with a really gaudy golden geometric patterns on it. But they are kind of just staring off down the hallway. Very stiff, very straight, and looking away from you. What's uh, what's up with your friends? He looks over at the, the guy who's just staring off and then looks back at you. He's just having a good time. We're all having a good time. Interesting. <laughs> Come in, friends. Jug guy kind of stumbles into the room a little bit. He's like, I'm, I'm pleased to meet you. Um, Anatoly Glass. You should have some wine with me and my brother. Oh, Lord. We're gonna die. (laughs) Joff, just so you know, Anatoly Glass and his brother are NPCs that have been in other storylines and campaigns of ours, most notably in the latter half of the Shadows campaign. Okay. So do the other come in with him? Anatoly is stumbling in, but the other is just standing in the hallway, still just, like, staring at the wall. What What you looking at there, guy? He doesn't respond. In or yeah. out. He seems he seems good. I'm gonna like walk uh, over and, and poke him like in the arm. He turns and he looks at you. His eyes are pretty heavily glazed over, and he gives you the look of somebody who is intoxicated in a very different way than the kind of intoxication you get from alcohol. And then he turns away from you again and just looks at like a blank spot in the wall, like super intently. Can I, um, we have that, or I have a, um, poison sucking rod. Can I, like, poke him with that? Is that, I'm assuming the idea behind that thing is that it will remove poison from people. Is that mm-hmm. right? That is the idea. Yeah. Um, kind of looks poison to me. <laughs> I know I kind of poked him with my finger earlier, so now it's like I'm poking him with a stick, like, <laughs> with a rod. So, But you want to use the, the rod on him. Charge, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So you give him a couple tentative pokes with the wand, and on the third or fourth one, you activate it. The wand glows a pale teal color, and you can see the magical energy coursing into his body. He does not seem to have an immediate reaction. So while you are doing that, we'll we'll come back to that in a second. The gentleman, or like the guy, I don't know how much of a gentleman he is, who introduced himself as Anatoly, has stumbled into the room. Who was the first person in that hallway? Like, who would he have run into first if he was falling over? Me. (laughs) So he does, as he's stumbling his way into the room, fall onto you and, like, grabbing your shoulder for balance. Hey, friend. And he pulls up his his wine jug. He's like, "Let's, let's have a drink. Let's have a drink. And I will shepherd him further into the room. He seems to really want you to take the jug before he'll move. I take the jug. <laughs> as soon as you take the jug, he starts to move with you. I, uh, I sniff it. Roll investigation. No, that's a natural two. <laughs> it's definitely alcoholic. Anyone else want to try the drink? <laughs> I, would, yeah, I would pa- like to... Pass it around. We should all I would like it. to um, investigate that drink, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah, roll. Roll investigate. 19. Tell me what you're doing to investigate him. I'm doing the, like, the little swirl and sniff thing just to, like, gauge if there's anything else other than wine that I can detect in it. There's nothing in the smell 
that makes you suspicious of this. It smells like it smells like really good wine. Mountain dwarf, I'm used to this. Okay, All and right. I, I take a tiny sip. <laughs> it is it is very good wine. I take more than a tiny sip. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and roll Constitution. That's a twenty-one. You're probably still a little bit drunk anyway, so it yeah. does. You do not feel more drunk having drank this, but. It gives you that really nice, like, toasty kind of feeling in your belly, and, you know, you know, gods damn it, like, that's good wine. <laughs> I, I hold it up like, hey, come sit down, come in the room. <laughs> I don't mind these rolls. He slaps you on the back, because that's, that's the ticket, that's the ticket, friend. And he starts to stumble out of the room. Uh-oh. Did he take the wine with him? No, he was leaving it. I reach out and put my hand on his back. I, I grab his tablet. Come back, friend. I know we should. We need to. We should. I go get my brother. Okay, let's let's get your brother. And I don't let go, but I walk him out the room. <laughs> okay. So he, as much as you will let him, stumbles over to his brother and kind of just like stumbles into him, almost knocks him over, and says like, "You, you met? You, did you meet these uh, these people? They're so they're they're so good. They're so good people." His brother That's does not true. respond. <laughs> so, uh, what's up with the brother, man? He uh, he he had them. Um, he had those um, the little they got the little caps, like the little um, mushrooms. He had some. He has had some of these mushrooms. They, uh, I've had them. I I know where he is. It's a good place. It's a good place. But we're. Out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're out of them. I I would like to check that I still have the diffusion one. You do not. Oh, no. Okay, so assuming I just patted myself down very quickly and I'm holding this guy, I pull him closer. Where is it? Is I, uh, We got him from Valorhold. Uh, they got the best... They got the... the be- you should know. You're a dwarf. No, my friends. My friends. Where is it? The... Oh, where's the what? Why don't you come back in the room? No, we're, we're good out here. It's fine out here. What... What are you looking for? You're coming back in the room, and I start to forcibly turn him around and push him towards the room. At that, his brother reaches out without turning away from the wall and, like, grabs him by the arm. We're gonna go. We gotta We gotta go talk to the purple. I, I look at my colleagues, and I'm shaking my head. I'll nod as, in, as like, okay, I understand. Anatoly's like, well, you guys, what's... What are we doing? What, 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 what's the game? We're going to have a chat. We're going to sit down. going to have a chat. We're going to drink some wine, play some cards. We're just going to hang out. Get in the room. They do not seem interested in getting in the room. Anatoly, Anatoly, come here. Come here. Because yeah. I'm a dwarf. I'm shorter. Come here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he leans, uh, he leans down like he's like almost laying on top of his. Like, yeah, yeah. I punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're getting started. <laughs> Give me a perception check. Ooh, okay. That's uh, not great. Twelve. So as you go to punch him in the face, your fist goes right through his face. Shit, I knew it. Shit. And Anatoly just dissipates, and so does Obadiah, or... I guess I didn't say he was other. His brother also <laughs> disappears. 
Oh, shit. Anybody want to explain what just happened? All, all I know is the diffuser's gone. They took the damn diffuser. That's not good. Uh, well, all right. It's not I like we you... can just call headquarters and get another diffusion wand. And well, the diffusion wand is the one that shuts off the traps, so you don't need it to complete the job. But, it but is... now somebody has a diffusion wand for to get into right. all of our security right. systems. Okay. Whoops. Have we seen? So they were obviously solid at one point because we're able to grasp them and push them and stuff so mm-hmm. have, have we ever seen anybody or have I ever seen anybody just disappear like that what's your background specifically seeing people disappear <laughs> <laughs> oh well then yes I've spent my whole life watching people disappear oh uh, that's tragic actually <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> as a half elf and given your warlock patron You know that illusions can be made to seem very real. People can think they are touching something that is not actually there. Can an illusion take take something from you? No. So did we lose the wand before that? I'm drunk, drunk, but I'm not that drunk. (laughs) I knew we shouldn't have let Russet have it. I could smell the alcohol (laughs) on his breath as soon as we got this job. Russet's drinking from the bottle going, not again. (laughs) Does the bottle Even still when he's exist? drunk, he's better than some people, you know? The bottle the bottle does still exist. Based on that, you would guess that they were real, they were there, and at some point illusioned themselves out of your range, basically, and walked away. Oh, shit. Sneaky jerks. It's almost like, even though you came pretty close to foiling them a couple of times... They very much knew what they were doing and were prepared for this. And now they're loose in the place. Womp. With with the diffusion wand. Yeah, we're sure they have the wand. No. You're sure that you do not have the wand. They have the wand. They they have the wand or somebody that made themselves look like them have the wand. Okay. Oh, that's a good point, too. I don't know. Oh, I, will, I will. I will tell you what's going on. Russet says, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> someone push. Put the bottle down. Someone wants into one of these rooms. They are good at what they do. They managed to defuse the traps. Unfortunately, they were either interrupted or the diffusion of the traps <gasps> alerted the household. They know who we are. They know what a diffuser is, a diffusion wand. They have taken their diffusion wand, and they are now going to break into one of the rooms. So we should open all the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should set off all the traps until we find a room where the traps don't go off. I can't decide if that's the worst logic I've ever heard or the best <laughs> logic I've heard right now. We did say before that they were they were more of they didn't alert anybody. They're more deterrent. So. If we know, I, I will remind you, you sanguine security. Uh, sanguine means both hopeful and bloody. <laughs> As in, hopefully you won't need them. But if you do, there will be a lot of blood. Oh, okay. Well, cool. <laughs> if I stand in the middle of the hallway and dispel magic, does that do it? Like the map that he gave us does not show every trap. Right, it only shows the traps immediately around the kookery room, the traps that you were supposed to be resetting. Well, shit. Bad planning on the company's part to not say what traps we put in front of what doors. I will write this wrong once we return back to... (laughs) 
it'd be nice if they're like, here's a map that has everything on it, and we have it all there, and then we go back and they erase our brains. So maybe that's a note you're taking for when you start your own security. <laughs> also, Thomas Lupo, I just that's solved the deep. entire campaign. We don't need to that, play. That's what we could do. We should just, we can still finish the job. We just, us four finish the job, reset all the ones we know about, and then we just walk out, collect our money, start our own security company. <laughs> that's not like this one. All right, bye. Just the best ever. I don't think staying in this room is going to do anything. So. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, what's the... Probably. So I, I do think the plan of attack is that we have to... Would be that we don't try to progress through where we know traps are. We try to go back and find out more information. Like, try to go back to find the guy we first ran into and tell him what happened. Is instead, it, of trying, instead of trying to go it alone. Is it logical that the only way we can tell if a trap has been diffused without the diffusion wand is to try to set it off. Do we have any visual way of determining whether a trap is set? Um, yeah, I mean, basic. Uh, I mean, basic perception or like detection of traps um, okay. would work. Okay. Um, so basically, kind of like the the standard adventurer you know tool set would work for this type of thing. Um, you won't be able to know if it was diffused by like a wand or diffused by somebody who found the trap and figured out how to undo it. Okay. Can I search around this room or the room we've already opened to see if there's anything else around that's useful? Yes. Um, so there are other traps in this room that are active right now. Okay. That, And we know that from our map. You know that from kind of just the basic the the overview you got of this particular job like there's there there are hallway traps that are activated when there's a security need and then each room has a trap or traps that are set based by the people who are using it or renting it you do know actually give me a history check 7 you know that there's something to do with the the, the guests in each of these rooms, but you are not quite sure what that is. If you are talking this through with the group, one of them can help you in this case. We could do kind of a... They can roll and maybe give you advantage on that history check. Yeah, I'll just say, like, I think right now we have to just make, make this a fact-finding mission. I think we need to search the area we already know we've disabled the trap of and see where we can go from there. So I'll let one of you do a history check to potentially aid Rat here. I'd, I'd like to do that. Okay. I'm feeling like I'm very good in history. <laughs> feeling like that. <laughs> I have a great knowledge from the many books that I read on my days off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a 20 total. All of your reading and just your basic kind of knowledge of the traps and sanguine security uh, protocol... You are definitely able to, to talk with him and kind of, you know, throw ideas back and forth. Rag, go ahead and roll again for your history check. That is a, what would be cool if it were a critical 20, but it's actually just a 19. So you would know that in a setup like this, where there are like individual pockets of security within a larger facility of security, that there would be like a, some sort of key or a like a totem 
that would allow somebody to walk into this room without triggering the traps, even while those traps are active. And since this is a place where the the owner of these rooms changes periodically, it's not a huge leap to suspect that there is a key like that in this room. So what do we see? Is there anything... So standing in the like that little foyer, that little like mini hallway, there's not a lot you can see from there other than there's a like that circle of like couches that's recessed in the middle, the the chandelier that's hanging from the center of the room. The room is round, there's not like a corner for a lot of things to hide. Um, there are some places you could check. There's little like little like wooden containers where people might put like a, like a chilled wine to rest, but you want it out of the way, or like a bit of like bread and cheese that you don't want to have like out, but you want it to have handy. There's a couple of those, but just standing in the doorway, you can't see what's in them. These traps were installed by Sanguine Security, so you can do other types of, like, just non-magical or non- Can I just, like, stealth, or, like, would stealth work, or is it not really stealth? It would be more of, like, if you want to, like, very carefully work your way into the room looking for traps, you could try that. Yeah, I would like to try that. Okay, so that would be, uh, let's do investigation for that. Oh, no. All the skills I've used so far, I suck at. Oh, I got a 20 again, so it's a 19. So you find that there are a series of pressure plates in the center of the room, in that recessed area. There's a small indentation in the floor that's kind of covered up in the very center of the room. Uh, The kind of indentation where someone could hide a key, for example but is surrounded by, like, dozens of pressure plates. Give me a history check. I got a seven. I can help. I got 19. Yeah, so Rat, take advantage on that. That is a five. This looks a lot like the fire traps that Sanguine produces. You do remember there are several varieties of Sanguine fire traps. It's probably why three of us are wearing fire-resistant uniforms. <laughs> that was an <laughs> insanely uh, fortuitous. I don't. <laughs> so I'll tell everybody that I think that we've installed pressure plates around the center of this room where it looks like there might be a place to hide a key. So what I think the plan should be is try to set the traps off somehow. If that is what you are considering, I would let somebody else do a history check for what type of fire traps. If, if we set off the traps, are we liable to destroy this room? Because that's going to reflect really poorly on us. <laughs> and the reputation. Yeah. And the reputation I'll do a history of check. Uh, there's definitely a possibility of oh. destroying the room. <laughs> also, resistance to fire is not we're immune to fire. Right. No. Yeah. I got a 16 on my history check. So the circle of fire traps line, there are three main types The first, kind of the standard fire trap, a series of pressure plates within a circle, and when they are depressed, that that circle becomes engulfed in flames. There are jets either in the floor or the ceiling or both that basically will turn that into a column of fire. There is the ATL line or the anti-thief line in which depressing those trap or those pressure plates will cause everything outside of the circle to be engulfed in fire. 
And then there is the pillar slash pit edition of these <laughs> pressure of the fire line in which depressing those plates will cause either the floor to drop away into fire or will cause the floor to rise up into the ceiling in which there will then be fire. The benefits must be really good working together. <laughs> Aegis probably has some great life insurance policies on all of you. Also, just like structurally, like the house would have to be the house would have to have room underneath it to do a pit of fire. So that or fucking magic. Just I mean, architecturally yeah. that would be Remember yeah. magic. Oh yeah. I think what we've all learned is that we all need to bring our toolboxes next time and not just one of them. Yeah. Why are we not a party of rogues? <laughs> what is wrong with us? I'm just there trying to think. Are... If there, I'm just trying to comb through and see if there's another way. I say there yeah. are many other rooms. If you're just trying to get a key. Oh, yeah. Good point. But the key only unlocks the traps for that room, right? Or are they for all the traps? The key will unlock the traps in that room and any of the hallway traps. But we can't get into any other rooms without our wand. without without diffusing a trap, yeah. right? That's kind of where I'm at too. I got a I got an idea. I got a crazy idea. How many? When we looked at the map, how many rooms are trapped in this wing? Yeah. Um, probably about ten. I say we check the doors to all ten. Do they trap the doors, or do they just trap the interior? It depends. When I when I say they, I mean we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, some some of the rooms have traps on the doors. Some of them have traps inside. We should go from so, room yeah, to room. So some of them are like designed to like let you come into the room and then you're trapped, sort of thing. So great. Because again, yeah. like everything from like lethal to non-lethal to mind fuckery to <laughs> everyone, everyone split up, take a room. <laughs> How do we, yeah, how do we go room to room without setting off the traps and also setting off more traps in the hallway than where we are? Oh. Right now, the hallway traps are not active. None of them. That you know of. Okay. <laughs> we we just go very carefully. We look for the traps. We look for the telltale signs. We check each and every door. If the door's not trapped, we stick our heads in and look for the traps in the room, and we go room to room to room. And the moment we find one that's diffused... This is where we're going to find our mystery guest. Okay. Slash mindfuck. What are two options? I'm definitely willing to try that, because I, yeah. Russet will march from the hallway to the first door. All right. I, I would prefer awesome. not to burn up in this room. Still yeah. holding a bottle of wine. <laughs> and I will check the door frame. I'm checking the handle. I'm checking the lock. Uh, roll perception for me. Yay! <laughs> I should let you guys know that I famously have bad rolls. I have Wheaton's Curse. Oh, no. And, oh, no. and I just rolled a seven. Oh, this oh, door well, looks, this door I think, looks I think fine. that the wine may be affecting you a little bit there, Russet. Uh, I'll, look, I'll look with you. That's a, a 19. Yay! Okay, so you can, uh, so Russet, you can take advantage on that roll. Um, it's a four. <laughs> <laughs> so it's totally not trapped, guys. <laughs> Slow motion. <All> right. 
slow motion reaching for so, the hand. So in between, like, Russet, like, wavering a little bit and, like, reaching kind of wildly, and uh, Ava's trying to, like, prevent him from doing those things, uh, the two of you don't really see anything that would alarm you, but also Ava has spent a lot of effort trying to keep him from just touching things without looking at him. I am, I am like 90, 80, I'm 70% sure. I'm a good 60% sure this door is not trapped. Maybe you should back up, Ava. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I concur with that, actually. I'm going to move out of the way a little bit. If, if the worst happens tell my children I love them. <laughs> and I open the door. He has kids? I'll say real quick, do you have children? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I have I have seven children. Okay. So it opens into a very similarly shaped room from the, the kookery room that where you were. The, the mini hallway uh, foyer type room, circular, recessed floor, you know, circular, super stuffed seating area. There is no chandelier in this room, though. And uh, there is, like, a blue marble baseboard, then white marble walls, and then the ceiling is also, like, that blue, like, mosaic tile setup. You don't see anything... Oh, just opening the door, nothing happens, and you don't see anything super obvious inside the room. Kind of tells me if there's no chandelier that maybe there's not, like, fire burning down on you. So, can I check for traps? Yeah, check for traps. You can. 23. As you are kind of like slowly walking into the room, studying the different doorways and corners and checking like wall stitches and different places where the things meet up, you discover or are able to figure out that like something is wrong with that recessed area in the center of the room. The way the floor meets up with the walls, that little area, doesn't quite make sense. Which leads you to believe that that recessed, like, seating area is is trapped. And so here is where we can do a history check on, like, what type of sanguine trap this could be. Okay, I will also do that, since I apparently am rolling okay today. <laughs> Minus my early roll. Um, 15. So this looks like to you, one of the reverse gravity traps. Fun! Wait, anti-gravity is not reverse gravity. Never mind. Right, exactly. So, (laughs) the way that this trap works, when you step into that sitting area, you would fall up into the ceiling, which is actually an illusion, and is actually full of spikes. And then once you hit there, the anti-gravity drops, and you would fall down through the floor which is an illusion, onto another set of spikes. Double spikes. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, relay that to our friend, my friends here. Don't go in the center. And I, like, just stare at Russet. Don't go in the center. <laughs> Next room! <laughs> yeah, I feel like at some point we either have to find a room... I mean, we don't see a key, like, there's not a key location that yeah, I would know. Yeah, we have to get right? a key somehow. Based on what you can see from where you are, you did not see a place where a key might be hidden. Well, I mean, I can safely walk around the edges of this, right? From what I can tell? Yeah, from what you can tell, yeah. Okay, I'm going to do a quick lap on the outside of the room, just or the edges of the room, just to see if I can see where a keyhole or a key would be hiding. Yeah, I, you don't. Okay. Well, next room. 
As you move back into the hallway and start to move back down the east wing, you hear a like a booming in the distance. Oh no. Back toward where you entered into the harborage. Oops. Does it sound like a trap's gone off? There are certainly traps that sound like this, yes. I think we should take this moment to all put on whatever armor oh, yeah. we might I have. Agree. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's do that. I'll pull out the manila envelope and pull out my scale mail okay. and put that on under my under my sanguine uniform. Okay. And put a strap the shield on over my back. Yeah, chainmail comes out, shield comes out, um uh bat blanks comes out. I'll do hide armor. So you all have your armor on. You all have your weapons, uh, shields, and things like that drawn. Your uniform is over top. What would you like to do now? Head to the noise. Yeah. I think so, too. When you come back to the fork between the main hallway and the one leading to the private quarters, you see two figures far down the main hallway. They are at least 600 feet away, so it's hard to make out exactly what's going on. But you do see a bright orange tabard, like the ones the Glass Brothers were wearing. The orange tabarded figure then punches the other in the gut. As the other figure falls away to the floor, you see a flash of metal and red in the Glass Brothers' hands. We don't think they see us? No. It doesn't seem that way. Do we want to attack this, like, stealthily, or do we want to just... Go after it. I mean, it is a hallway. There's, again, not a ton of places to hide. Gotcha. And it's also not really our job to be... How quickly can we move in a minute? It would... It's going to take you more than a minute to get to where they are. But are you... Like, are you just standing there watching, or are you moving that direction? I think we're running. Yeah, start huffing it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So you see... Anatoly stabs someone. You see the person fall over. And then there's another explosion. This time you feel it, like, in the floor. There's tremors that go throughout the hallway. And then as you continue to run, you draw a little bit closer, you see the other brother, which we I mean, never got the name of, but we, we know is Obadiah, walks out of the room that is apparently very close to Anatoly. Obadiah is carrying a small chest that's about the size of a shoebox. It is made of amethyst. Obadiah turns and points a wand back into the room, and there's a like a little burst of arcane energy that flares up from the tip. And then the Glass Brothers turn towards each other and pretend to like tip their hats at each other, and then they give each other a little fist bump and disappear. Fuck these assholes, and they get to disappear. We are so screwed. Can I just spell magic? Oh, wait, that's not gonna be. That's too far away. Like, yeah. Damn it! It's too late. They've already disappeared. As you're running and getting pretty close to the body, the lights throughout the hallway go out and are replaced by a a glowing pink light. And then there is a low level, not quite like a humming, but a like almost like a droning type of sound that goes in and out uh, very much. And it's very clearly like an alarm type sound, but it's not like a wailing alarm. When you finally get up to the body, their light blue tabard is mostly red and wet. A very neat hole in the center of their chest is no longer gushing blood. You were never formally introduced, but you recognize the dead eyes and lifeless face. A voice echoes down the hallway. What in the name of the gods? You look up to see the noblest has entered the east wing, and is looking at the four of you, standing over the corpse of the precept. I would like to reach into my bag of holding. Building. 
and I'd like to pull out my resume and I'd like to start updating it. Hi everybody, I'm Andrew Johnson, Dungeon Master of the Quest Company, a Dungeons & Dragons live play podcast. Join me as I take an assassin... Oh, I kill things. ...an ex-pirate... I'm not paying extra for debauchery... ...a skeletal necromancer... Have I finally reached hell? ...and a very confused cleric... I see dead bodies all the time, and now my eyeballs bleed... ...on the adventure of a lifetime. You can also join us on SideQuests, where we bring in guests and try new games like Monster of the Week... Uncharted Worlds, Tiny Dungeon, and more. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We release new episodes every week, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at The Quest Company. Thanks for listening! Thank you for joining in our wild endeavors, and thank you to Kevin McLeod for the great music. The second half of this adventure will be released Wednesday on our normal publication day. We are in the midst of recording some special prologue content for our new series, and we'll be sharing some information on that soon. In the meantime, you can continue to find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Wild Endeavors. We appreciate all of you that have left us ratings and reviews on various podcast platforms. It's a huge help in bringing new listeners, but it also means a lot to us to know that you are enjoying our adventures. So please continue to share the excitement, and we hope you'll join us again next time for more Wild Endeavors. I love the way you can bring in characters in like three different campaigns, <laughs> weave together the worlds. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, thank you. Fun, uh, fun little side note that amethyst box that they stole will be the phylactery that the master uses to become a lich. I actually just listened to so I, yeah, I just listened to that and yeah, that makes sense. You say yeah. it's about a shoebox size made of amethyst. I didn't put that together, but yeah. What? But I also, Mean Kraken that's holding Diggy <laughs> has the weapon to kill a king in yellow. So. That is probably true, yeah. <laughs> Getting my Kraken back. <laughs>